Hey, Haley. Yeah? What is the worst thing an ex has ever done to you? Like, I mean, I don't want you to get, like, too down or anything, but, like, was there something an ex did that you should, looking back now, it should have been like, oh, I, I probably should have ended it. Yeah, I do have one. Um, and this is going to sound awful. Um, an ex for my birthday one year got me a bath and body works, just a little gift basket that you could totally tell that it was regifted oh. and it had brown lip gloss. Who wears brown lip gloss? I mean, I'm sure there's different skin tones and stuff that would like it would look beautiful on, but it's like it was just not right. And yeah, and whereas for his birthday, I got him like really like you know things that were tailored to him. It's like yeah, this isn't gonna work out. I'm not oh, a gift man. person by any means, but it's just like <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of a, if you're getting just a re-gift of something, yeah, that's, how old were you? Uh, I was a sophomore in high school. Ugh. What about you? What is the worst thing an ex has ever, yours is way worse than mine. Oh, I, I mean, I, I had an ex cheat on me. I had, I've had some awkward stuff here and there, but I think the, the worst offender was uh, the, girlfriend I had in high school uh, who bought me uh, for my birthday um, a Vote for Pedro shirt from Napoleon Dynamite. Uh-huh. That's just, that's a no-go. What? what is Why that? not? <laughs> I love Vote for Pedro. What? I want that shirt. Napoleon, Napoleon Dynamite? That's yeah. that abomination? You don't like Napoleon Dynamite? No, I'm just kidding. It's whatever. Okay. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> like, if anything, she got you a vintage shirt that could be worth a lot right now. Yeah, a vintage shirt like Jesus is my homeboy. <laughs> yes, that one. I was thinking that. <laughs> Listeners, you should know that all of these shirts I'm naming, I owned and wore proudly. I was <laughs> a nerd. Let's start the episode. Hey there, I'm Haley, the sister. And I'm Zach, the brother, and this is... Laughing at Ourselves. Welcome to our podcast about movies. Each month, one of us chooses a theme, and we do deep dives in the films that are important to us. Hi, Haley. Hey, Zach. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. How are you? Good. I feel like we're doing kind of a marathon session. I feel like I'm just living in a state of horror right now with my horror watch and then our podcast where it's just it's all terror all the time and really it's I think kind of helping with some anxiety (laughs) if that's weird I know but it's yes um we discussed that too you sent me a really cool article about that do you want to go into that Oh yeah, I mean I we may have discussed it on the podcast already, but there is, you know, there's been a bunch of articles written about how for some people uh horror movies are almost like calming or therapeutic because 
and it's there has been researchers who have been studying the effects of horror films for like 15 years who have found that people with high anxiety they will uh they'll watch horror movies because it's a way for them to manage their anxiety because they have control over it you know over the narrative like they can turn it off or they know it and part of their mind that it's not real so yeah, yeah it's been interesting yeah i would say that i've definitely felt less anxious lately so uh thanks horror movies i guess yes thank you do you have anything horror or non-horror related for our pop culture corner this week uh what do i have i don't have anything no let's go to you what do you have (laughs) Uh, I have a movie that I rewatched last night that I I don't think that you gave it a good rating on Letterboxd. Oh. And when I first saw it, I was not as big of a fan because I I really enjoy the novel it's based on, the series it's based on. And I watched the movie right after reading the books. And the movie is not a faithful adaptation. Uh, the movie I'm talking about, I, I don't know why I'm taking so long to get to it. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's the 2018 film, 2018, 2019 film, Annihilation, with Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, um, Gina Rodriguez, and oh, I'm missing the the big name uh it's the science fiction horror movie where they like go into this place that an alien has crash landed and it's created this shimmer and um did you see this i did not i feel like you gave it a bad rating maybe maybe you didn't see it um yeah it's this I I don't know. It's a really cool movie. I really enjoyed it the second time I watched it, and I think it has one of the scariest scenes in a movie I've ever seen. So I'll have to watch it because I like yeah, Natalie Portman. Oh, she's great. It's a very weird movie, um, and I had to. I mean, I read the books, and I think the movie requires a few viewings. It's weird, but it's good. That sounds good. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what are we what are we talking about today, Haley? We are discussing Midsummer. Um, Midsummer. So we originally have not put this in our movie list for uh, we're gonna need a bigger nightlight, just because um, it was just coincidence. Zach said he finished it or finished watching it because he is doing a what is it an October viewing where he watches horror movies every day or you describe I'm trying it. to watch yeah I'm trying to watch like 31 horror movies in October and I'm I'm not being successful where I can watch an ep- a movie every day um I'm a few, I'm a few behind right now but I Wanted to watch rewatch Midsommar because it had been a little while since I se- I had seen it and it was available on Amazon so I just watched it and like I think 20 minutes into the movie I texted Haley and I said this is so much better than Hereditary <laughs> uh, so yes 
It is. Um, before we uh, move on, I wanted to ask, I saw in your letterbox, you saw Overlord. What did you think? Oh, I loved it. You I, did? I th- yeah, I did. I think I put in my like little review that it felt like it was a B zombie horror movie version of Inglorious Bastards. Oh yeah. And I mean I I really liked the main character. I liked um Kurt Russell's son. I'm blanking on his name. I he think was it's really Wyatt great in Russell. it. Yeah. Uh everyone in that was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh but especially the main character. I had never seen him before and I really liked I don't know, I I liked a war horror movie led by a black man I like, know that was just really cool it was and so that, good. I don't remember I don't remember that in any of the marketing but like that was cool um and yeah I mean it's it's like a gross thriller zombie thing it was fun yeah I've been good uh, recommendation yes I've been bugging him to see three movies one of them was Overlord the next is Dr. Sleep, and then the third one is, oh, I'm blanking. Oh, House of the Devil. So, yes, on uh, kind of a tradition for Amanda and I is we watch The Shining on Halloween. Uh, that's just our Halloween movie. I love that. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to, since Halloween is on a Saturday this year, we're going to watch The Shining and then Dr. Sleep back to back. I'm so excited. You're going to love Dr. Sleep. It's so good. Yeah, I'm excited for that. And um, I've had House of the Devil on my watch list for a long time, but uh-huh. I just haven't gotten around to it, and I want to. What's so. funny is uh, you told me about this movie years ago. Yep. And I watched it before you, like 10 <laughs> years ago or whenever. I think it came out in 2013, so maybe not 10 years ago, but years ago. Yeah, because it it showed up on on uh, on Netflix, and I had also seen the review on my favorite movie website, Pajiba. I I think it's officially pronounced Pajiba, but I always say Pajiba. Pajiba. Um, yeah, there's uh, they do really good movie reviews, and they had recommended House of the Devil as like the best horror movie made in the 80s but actually made in the 2000s (laughs) so um yeah i i just have never gotten around to watching it i'm excited for you to watch that um although that movie ruined one of my favorite songs so it'll be fun for you to see that (laughs) and see if it gets ruined for you too (laughs) nice okay i'll have to check it out so back to Midsommar. We uh, picked it mainly because it follows our cult theme pretty well. And um, I honestly, we both wanted to revisit it. So I'm glad we're doing it. It's only yeah, fair. Yeah, this was, this was almost kind of like a surprise recording where we just kind of said, I think right before we recorded our Alien episode, uh, we were just like, hey, do you want to just record and talk about it? I, I don't really have as many notes, I but I'm excited to talk about it just because I had, I had a lot more fun re-watching this um, than I did Hereditary. So just as some, you know, a summary before we jump in, um, Midsommar is a 2019 film by Ari Aster. It's his second film after Hereditary. 
it's not a sequel to Hereditary, but he, uh, the director has called it a companion piece. Um, it's a good like thing to watch with Hereditary, which I get. There's similar, I think, kind of atmosphere and mood to it. I would like to know Ari Aster's relationship with his family, because dear God. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Both of these are so rough to watch. I know. Well, he, he said that this was in part based on his own breakup um, that he experienced, but that he identifies with uh, Danny more. Oh, so, yeah, I I don't know how the his ex would have taken it, but so this uh, this movie has a pretty big cast. Uh, I didn't copy down the whole cast list because I think it's too many. But mm-hmm. the main characters you've got Florence Pugh as Danny and Jack Rayner as our main characters. They are the couple in this who are traveling together uh there's william jackson harper as josh that's cheaty from the good place oh, i, I love, love him. william jackson harper uh we have uh wilhelm blomgren as pele and then will poulter as mark uh interesting thing i i discovered in doing research for this uh William Jackson Harper, the guy who plays Cheaty, he's the only American in the cast. Oh my gosh! Every, everyone else is um, is, I think, Jack Rayner was like born in America, but was raised raised in Ireland, and then everyone else I think is from, well, I, Florence Pugh and Will Poulter from um, England, and then Wilhelm I think is actually from. Sweden, so um, yeah, another, it's another fun oh, fact um, about Will Poulter is he was originally supposed to be Pennywise in the new It movies. Oh, was he really? Yeah, he had to drop out for some reason, but I'm really hmm. glad that. Um, I mean, he probably would have been great, but I really like how it turned out. So, I did not see the new It movies, so what? Why not? Yeah. I just didn't get around to them. I wanted to see them, but they have very good cast, but I just didn't I didn't see it. I think you would enjoy them. They're a good watch. Okay. So Midsommar is a 2019 folk horror film, and it follows a group of friends who travel to Sweden for a festival that occurs every 90 years. But they find themselves uh, actually dealing with a pagan cult and a ritual that is a little more disturbing than just let's celebrate nature. <laughs> so so what, when did you first see this, Haley? Did you see it in theaters? Because this movie... They anticipated that it was only going to do like $5 million for its uh, first weekend. Like they were anticipating just okay feedback. Mm -hmm. And I got to look at the exact number. Um, So in total, it grossed $27 million. Oh, wow. That's pretty Uh, good. It was projected to get... Ten, eight to ten million dollars over its first five days, um, and it got 
10.9 million. Oh, good. And it was made on an eight million dollar budget, so. That's pretty good. So when, yeah, did, when did you see this in theaters or home viewing? Um, I saw it in theaters, and it was one of those things where I saw another Ari Aster film was coming out. And like Hereditary, I think we went the, like, you know, the midnight showing that's no longer midnight. Thank God. It's like seven, which <laughs> is like a reasonable time. So sure. me and Zach went in and we saw it with um, a you, packed Michael? theater. Who? Did I say Zach again? Yes. Oh, gosh. Me and Michael, my husband, <laughs> went to the, not Zach. <laughs> Zach lives in Virginia. So um, we went in. I will have to say, this movie is so fun to see it with an audience, just with the reactions and everything. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. It was, like, it was so fun. It was, like, almost, like, Rocky Horror fun. Nice. Yeah, I, I didn't get to see it in theaters. I I wanted to, but I just never... But I did never... bug you. Oh, yeah, you, you did bug me because you had bugged me to watch Hereditary, and then you're like, you need to see Midsommar. It's like, I know, I know. But, yeah, I finally got around to it, and I enjoyed it the first time. I mean, I I knew that as I was watching it, I, I thought, oh, this is already better than, than Hereditary. But it, I think I still texted you just like, what the fuck am I watching right now? <laughs> Just because I it's, love those I mean, it's a, it's a weird movie. Uh, yeah, but I enjoyed it. Uh, haven't, I mean, I'm, I'm glad we're doing this because I haven't really had anyone to talk to about the movie just because it's, I feel like you have to have special tolerance for a movie like this. I don't think everyone will enjoy this type of horror movie. So. Oh no. How did Michael like it? Uh Michael didn't. He didn't. No, he did not. Why? It's such a great date movie. Let me ask. Michael, why didn't you like it? Cuz it was weird. <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um a bunch of naked people everywhere. <laughs> That's hereditary, too. <laughs> a bunch of <laughs> naked people. <laughs> uh, I loved it. I loved the ending, too. I don't think he liked the ending, but I enjoyed it. It was very cathartic. Did you feel that, too? Like it was a release? I did. I think I felt it more the second time. Mm -hmm. The first time I was just swept up in, what in the hell am I watching? What is what is happening in this movie and just the increasing terror? But I don't know. I found in our in our horror movie watch that we've been doing for October and then in my own that I've been enjoying some of the movies I've been revisiting mm -hmm. just because once I get a full grasp on what it's trying to say, seeing how it builds that throughout the movie, I think is really cool. So it is. I I have to say that I I was just all in on Florence Pugh's character Danny this viewing like I identified with her so much more just I thought she was a really well-written character and yeah I'll, I'll get into that more as we talk but 
Yes, I found that the end was very cathartic. Oh, good. Well, now it's time for an uh, ad break, so yeah. <gasps> I tried to do that breathing thing they did, but I don't think it came off well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. And we're back. So, yay. yay. Um, I wanted to ask, what did, did Amanda watch this? No, she did not. She is not a horror movie person, and knowing her, I don't think she'd be as into it. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I, I have to, um, I have either have to, like, twist her arm to watch a movie, you know, by, like, explaining why I think she would like it, or um, it has to be one that is really big in the culture. Like, she went and saw Get Out, or she saw Get Out with me, and she liked that one. Uh-huh. Uh, I did get her to watch uh, Your Next. Oh, did she like that? She did, because I pitched it as a Home Alone horror movie, where it's, you know, the it's the table's turn, and it's a badass woman going after the people who are invading the home. And she's like, okay, yeah, I kind of want to see that. So they just took that off of prime and Netflix. I'm like, so bummed. I'm like, I missed it. And it's always (laughs) there, but next time I'll get it. Um, what, what, what did you think your second time watching the movie? Yes. Um, I, I loved it even more. Like, there are so many things that, like, little things that Ari Aster would do here and there that I just loved. But I had three main, like, points that, like, all of my notes came to. And it was just uh, Christian, Danny's boyfriend, uh, is just a piece of garbage. Yep. Um, I loved Pele. And then also family uh what about you yeah, what did you I've, get the second viewing what did i get for family or what did you get the second viewing did you like it more oh i i really enjoyed it more the second time through i think my big thing is i honed in on danny as a character and her struggles to communicate with someone who was clearly clearly doesn't want to be around her Mm -hmm. i oftentimes i think i'll get frustrated with characters if i see that they have some of the like character or personality flaws i think that i have and one of the big ways that i think i identify with with danny in this is that I don't like to, uh, I don't like conflict. And Mm -hmm. Danny is constantly, when she's upset and she's trying to express herself to Christian, she's constantly getting worked up and then she pulls herself down. Like she feels that she has to apologize for Mm. having feelings. And then she grows as a person throughout the movie to be like, no, why, you know, I have my feelings and they're valid. And I think if if it wasn't for how she's written and how well Florence Pugh plays her, she might come off as like just she's constantly complaining. But I like think Florence, yeah. But Florence Pugh, I think, threads the needle of someone who has gone through a trauma 
and is not handling it at all, but still wants people around her to be happy. Because, mm-hmm. you know, and that that hit home with me really hard, this viewing. And so that's why I think it was cathartic at the end where she, like, one of the last things I think she says to Christian was, I could see you doing that to me. <gasps> yes, I, hi- I have goosebumps. I highlighted that. Oh, my gosh. And and, and something, I'm, I actually want to rewatch it. Uh, something I didn't pick up on just because I was so engrossed in the ending, besides like crying and screaming, in mm-hmm. the last 25 minutes, there is no dialogue for Danny or Christian. No. They don't talk. I mean, they cry and they scream or they have their weird moments, but they don't say anything. And so mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, I I thought it was just very intense to watch those last 20 minutes and feel that catharsis as she smiles so i have a cool reason or why i think that is because i noticed that too but um i noticed that i don't know if you noticed this but so at the beginning she has a horrible tragedy happened to her. Her family dies in like an awful way. And her sister did it just because her, I don't know, her sister's going through some things and it's just, it's, she's in college, Danny is. So she's going through all of this tragedy while she's away from her family and just worrying. And anyway, throughout the film, when someone ever brings up the word family, she just starts crying and, like, pukes. Like, it's just a trigger word for her. Yep. But immediately when she gets into the commune, which is what they call it, they say family. There's none of that. Oh, Did I didn't you notice pick up. That? Uh-uh. Interesting. It was like she was safe. That's interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, that's... It is a, like, not wanting to face the terrible trauma that she's experienced. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, but I didn't notice that family. I mean, I think the big quote that stood out for me, I'm going to botch this, but the the thing Pele says to Danny about, like, do you feel held by him? Yes. Do you, I had that highlighted. Does he feel like home? Like, I mean, this is a breakup movie, and so it's very interesting to to see this, like, her progression of finding out. We haven't talked too much about, you know, what's what the main, you know, drive of this movie is, so Haley was, was hinting at it. Danny experiences a tragedy at the beginning of this movie where her sister who suffers from bipolar disorder and is constantly just threatening her own life or saying ominous things writes a very weird letter where she just says to Danny um, I can't do this anymore I'm taking mom and dad with me and you find out that she the sister Danny's sister did a double murder slash suicide where she Mm -hmm. killed her parents and then killed herself by um, 
suffocating them with uh, the car fumes. And it's very disturbing imagery. Um, Oh, that violin screech, too, when they expose it. Did you notice that? There was, like, this, like... Oh, yeah. Yep. That's terrible. And it's coupled with the fact that Christian, Danny's boyfriend, right before this happens, is on the verge of breaking up with her. Uh, She, I guess he has been, like, wanting to break up for a year, and Danny senses it when this tragedy hits. And there's this amazing shot where I don't, I'm going to be interested if Ari Aster does this in every film where it's Florence Pugh just screaming and crying Mm -hmm. as Christian holds her. And it's very much like when Tony Collette is screaming over the death of her daughter, like just getting the raw scream of someone you know, experiencing an unimaginable tragedy. And Mm -hmm. Christian doesn't want to be with her, but is also in the impossible. Before he goes into the apartment. Did you notice that? Yep. He hears her screaming and he doesn't want to go in and it puts him in the impossible situation of like, she just lost her entire family. I can't break up with her even though I want to. Mm-hmm. Which is a nice thing, you know, on its surface, but is kind of still shitty that you're sticking around when you are absent, when it's someone who needs, like, in a relationship, when things go that bad, you need someone who is your rock. And Christian is not that for Danny. And so it makes their relationship even worse, you know, and I mean, you said it, Christian, Christian's a piece of shit. Like he's the worst in this movie. He's like gaslighting her when she's saying to him, like she gets the message from her sister and she's like, well, even you said it was weird. He's like, yeah, but, you know, he's, like, making her second guess everything. But it's your sister, you know? Like, everything's fine, and it's just, like, it's not a good comfort. It's just, like, a please leave me alone. I'm out with my friends. Yeah, it's, I don't know. You, I, I don't think you're supposed to like him. And, and I, I even get the sense that the the actor who plays Christian doesn't like him and wanted him to be humiliated at the end, which he is. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it's, I don't know. So what is it that stuck out about this movie? I know you talked about your three big things, but like, why did those hit so hard for you? What is it about the, the family aspect and, and, you know, I know you're a fan of cult movies, but why do you think that this movie works so well for you? I think this movie works so well is because the whole entire movie, she's kind of searching for this. Um, she's searching, like Pele said, to be held, and she's finally getting it. She's finally finding people that can empathize with her. And in a way that, like, she feels like she isn't crazy or anything like that. She feels like she can be felt 
like how she is doing like um when she's in the commune what they'll do is if someone's in like a lot of pain it could be pleasure or whatever they will all mimic the sounds or reactions that they have to be with that person and I think overall that is what she needed and Christian wasn't giving that to her yeah Christian Christian doesn't provide shit for her (laughs) no alright so there was a I can't find the exact quote but did you notice the slightly racist undertones of this movie it's on purpose. Um, well, I noticed everyone there was white. Everyone there was white, yes. And then but the people that is... came from out were all, you know, not. Mm-hmm. Well, the, uh, the first few people to die are people of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the other couple who gets killed first who is split up. But then there's, um, I can't find it. You know when they're driving into the commune and it shows the sign for the village upside down? And it's like, welcome. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. So in the fine, like in smaller letters underneath, it says something to the effect of keep this area pure, drive out the immigrants. And... It seems like the people there are also very uncomfortable with um, William Jackson Harper's character. And he's also one of the first people to die. The guy who plays, uh, the guy who's cheaty. Yeah. Yep. And so he, uh, Ari Aster has, has said in interviews that like, yeah, it's, it's very good that she's had this cathartic experience because she's had, you know, She's found a family, which is wonderful, but it's also a little troubling that these are people who murder their elderly and also um, clearly are not tolerant of people who are not white. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, like you're, it's, it's an interesting thing to look at where it's, we're rooting for this cult to like be Danny's family, but at the same time it's, do we really want these people to be her family? <laughs> no way. No, yeah, that totally it's... makes sense. Um, I wanted to say how well she really fit into their group. Like, I don't know if you noticed this. So Christian um, gets her a birthday cake or birthday candle or whatever because it's her birthday while they're there. And the way she blows out the candle, and I don't know if it could be by coincidence because it's Ari Aster, but she sounds exactly like they do when they do their little breathe in and breathe out thing. They have this little thing. Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh. She does this thing. Oh, go ahead. I don't think that was a coincidence. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But there's just certain things like she won May Queen and um, she's able to speak Swedish all of a sudden. Or yep. Yeah, she. I mean, she instantly kind of starts fitting in and 
I think she's horrified by some of the things that they do, especially the the sacrifice of the elderly. But what before the ending, I think one of the most cathartic scenes is when she's walking by herself and one of the women in the village just comes out and says, excuse me, do you want to come in and, and work with us? Yeah. And she just gets brought into a kitchen and it's just, hey, can you help us make some food? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Ari Aster ruins the moment by showing what is the pube pie. Uh, but otherwise <laughs> in the period drink <laughs> yeah i didn't catch the period drink the first time through just because i didn't see that mural like uh-huh. i had gotten distracted and so i did tell one of my friends katie um that i had watched it and she goes yeah i almost checked out at the period blood drink i was like what <laughs> and yeah. then i read up on it they, like, really zone in on it, but I missed yeah. it, too. So I was like, oh. Yeah, this, this movie gets kind of gross. Did you know it was, um, in his director's cut, it was originally rated NC-17? Oh. I... Yeah, that they, the studio asked him to cut stuff, and he cut, like, 30 minutes from the movie, and, uh-huh. uh, they just recently did a showing of his like unrated director's cut. But uh-huh. yeah, there's there's some gross stuff with like seeing people's heads get split open and uh period blood <laughs> and really kind of graphic group sex scenes and <laughs> um those two scenes um when so there's this in their or commune cult whatever it is at the age of 72 you have ended your cycle there with them so you are required to die this certain type of death that is honorable it's supposed to be you know everyone does this and it's okay and they jump from a cliff these two old people so like the Woman is supposed to jump, like, kind of like Peter Pan it, but not quite, because you fall, <laughs> and she just smashes. And then the the male is supposed to jump just, uh, just straight, like, feet first, and his legs break. They come over with a hammer, and they give him a good whack a couple of times. And that's how they, that's how the elders die. But during that scene is when a group of girls from my theater literally fleed, like, oh, hell no, they are just running out of the theater. And it was really funny. Part of me wonders if Ari Aster just has, like, some deep, dark fear about head trauma because hereditary, there's a decapitation. And in this one, it is two smashed faces, one with a hammer or a big mallet and one with a rock. It's, it's a lot. Oh yeah. It is (laughs) a lot. If, if we're talking about like using horror movies to deal with anxiety, I mean, people get their brains bashed in. They, (laughs) 
There's I almost, I also feel like we're not talking about another kind of gruesome death that happened that you only see very quickly, and it's that Viking death that they do where um, the one guy is strung up and oh, then his yes. lungs are pulled out what? to look like wings. Was that in Hannibal that they did that? Like one of the main killers? Did you watch the TV show Hannibal? Yes, I loved that show. And was that? Um, what they did there, or is that True Detective? What am I thinking of? No, that that's Hannibal. Okay. Um, weird little side note with Hannibal. Yeah, that was um, that was taken from an episode where uh, they are trying to find a serial killer who uh, kind of cuts people open on the back and pulls their flesh up to look like wings because he thinks they're demons and he wants to turn them into angels. I thought it he was has, their like, this lungs tumor. that are, they turn out. Well, yeah, he does the lungs as well, but um, the big part is it's like the flesh from the back. But the funny little anecdote with that is in when they were making it the, obviously the people are that are killed are nude and you see um the shot is they come into this hotel room and they are on their knees like they're praying and then the wings are up and you're seeing them from behind and originally it was not a lot of blood mm-hmm. but nbc was like, we can't show this because you have two butts on screen. <laughs> and so the compromise was, okay, well, we'll just cover the butts and fill the crack with more blood. And NBC said, yeah, that's fine. Just <gasps> don't show us butts. And so if you watch it, like, their butts, it shows the full back profile, but their butts are just covered in blood, and then the crack is filled with blood, so you can't see that it's a butt, but you do get to see just someone's back ripped open. And that's what you see here, too. (laughs) So I don't get... I've seen a lot of scary movies, but Hannibal is one of those, like, movie or TV shows that I have nightmares watching. Oh yeah, it's disturbing. Like I had to stop watching it. It was it was bad, but um, it, it there gets, was another death that it was, gets very good. Yes, it is. Um, there's a deleted scene that I saw on YouTube. I don't know if you saw it for Midsummer, and they they're basically all at a lake, and it's nighttime, and the commune leader or whatever is saying. Uh, they need a sacrifice. And there's this, like, maybe 13-year-old girl that, like, volunteers as tribute. Like, yeah, me. I'll, I'll do it. And basically what they do is they tie up the girl and they put rocks on her. So they put rocks on top of her stomach, but they're holding her. They're holding her head. The other person is holding her feet. And they're going to throw her into the lake. So... Danny is losing her mind like oh my gosh no no and they're like no no it's okay it's okay she she's sacrificing herself this is good but I don't think it happened but it was just insane yeah I think I read that that was supposed to be the sacrifice but then the the couple 
I mean, the guy who has his back and lungs pulled out, uh-huh. the woman in that couple, she's the one who gets drowned because she's the one who's pushed in on the wheelbarrow at the end where you can see that her body is like bloated and there's like seaweed in her hair or whatever. <gasps> she's supposed to be the one that drowned. Oh my gosh. Because because Danny, I guess, saved the little girl. I don't know. I haven't seen the deleted yeah. scene. I just know that. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a good point. That's crazy. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, I I read an interesting fact about Jack Rayner, the guy who plays Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, in the script, he was originally at the very end after the weird group sex scene. Uh, he was supposed to put on a robe and run outside. And he convinced Ari Aster. Like, he's like, no, make me nude. Like, make it so that I'm nude because this character needs to be as vulnerable as possible. And also... We've had way, way too many years of, like, these stories like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Last House on the Left where a woman is defiled or defeated and then she has to run around naked. And so he's like, it should be a guy's turn. And so good. he he voted for having him run around nude. I think it makes it even more tense that he's, like, he runs out of that area and he's naked and he's trying to find somewhere safe to go, but it's also he just like he has no protection whatsoever. Oh. So, I think I, I think that. what this is uh, what this comes down to was that Midsommar is just another in a great line of movies advocating for more penises in movies. I know. I was gonna say that. <laughs> That's like one thing that bothers me. I'm done seeing boobs. Not that it's like it's bad yep. or anything. Let's see more let's see more dick. I'm looking yep. at Michael's face to see if I'll get a reaction. No reaction. <laughs> L- lot, lots of nude women standing around in Midsommar. Why yeah. don't we have just a room full of just dudes hanging brain? <laughs> Let's let's make this hey. movie. Ari Aster. Yes. Ari Aster, Midsommar 2, Dicks Everywhere. <laughs> yes. The season of the dick. <laughs> um, I wanted to... I thought A24 did this really cool thing. Um, I think it was at the beginning of the year, or maybe it was last year, but basically they auctioned, up, auctioned off a lot of props that they had in their movies. So they had, like, uh, the little cool uh, coolest girl box from eighth grade, and they had a Furby little watch chain in uh, Uncut Gems. And they had a ton of, like, little things. But they had the dress from Midsommar in it. Do you want to guess how much it sold for? How much? So I thought it was going to go for, like, a million because I was like, look at this dress. It's amazing. And Ariana Grande and Halsey, I thought we're going to duke it out because they both, like, on Twitter were saying, I want this dress. So I thought it was going to be a big fight. But uh, the Academy Museum actually bought it that's going to be filmed or going to be in L.A. And it sold for 65000 which I thought it was going to sell for more. Yeah, I that's surprising. I, I had heard that Ariana Grande went after it because she loves this movie. Yeah. Like she had a birthday party themed around it. But yeah, no, that's a, 65000 That's 
Man, that's still pretty good. Yeah, I think so. I heard that the dress was very heavy and they had to build in like a stool for Florence Pugh to sit on because it was just so much. They actually had holes too in it so she could like drink water and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I love that dress that she's got like just the theme of her slowly becoming more and more connected to nature where it's like in the beginning you just see the grass growing out of her hand and then it shows a little later it's growing into her feet Mm -hmm. then a little bit later when she's the May Queen like the the throne that she's on it moves with her and her crown like yeah. the flowers move, and then by the end she's just engulfed. Like I love the progression of that imagery. That's cool. I didn't even think about it like that. I like that. Yeah, I, I saw that in one of the the websites I was doing research on, so I can't claim credit for that. I, I did also want to bring up a I, I I wasn't sure where to bring this up, but I I just wanted to bring up this article. I'll send it to you afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of my favorite movie critics is Emily Vanderwerf. Have mm-hmm. you heard of her? No. She used to write for the AV Club. She currently writes for Vox. Um, and she has this, this article. Uh, she is a, she's a trans woman. And so she wrote this article called Midsommar has a deeply trans narrative hiding in plain sight. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I, I think the tagline is the 2019 horror movie isn't overtly about trans identity, but it depicted my journey perfectly. And it gets into, you know, how the different ways you can read the movie, but how when she was watching it, it was very much a Danny starts where she's just surrounded by men and she doesn't fit in with them and she doesn't know how to like oh. work with with that you know community and whatnot and she's always filmed as separate from all the men yeah but then once she gets to this commune she instantly connects with these women. I think it works with your the thing that you pointed out that the word family doesn't make her it doesn't make her have a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And so she is able to see herself for who she truly is with these other women who are like experiencing the same emotions and like vocalize the emotions that she's going through when she can see herself as she's meant to be and not in the way that she has to pretend to be to like make Christian happy. Mm. And so I, I, I saw the article and I just thought, like I said, Emily Vanderwerf is one of my favorite critics. She writes some really great stuff. Like I follow her on Letterboxd. She does great reviews, but I thought this was a cool read. I on love Mitsumar. that. Yeah. I want you to send that to me so I can read it. That's it. Okay. That's a great, like, I like, I love that she got that out of it because I also noticed, like, she did not fit in with those guys. Whenever she came in, like, they were just, like, they would just look at her. It's like, this is weird. Except for Pele, who... I know. I'm, I'm stuck on because there's, like, debate on whether or not, you know, how much 
Pele was involved in getting all of them there. Like, some people speculate that Pele helped orchestrate the murder of Danny's family. Oh, that's awful. Because there's... Because in that, like, mural they show at the beginning, where it shows everything that's going to happen in the movie, uh-huh. it shows Pele orchestrating stuff. Ooh. And he obviously, like, I, I think it's also... Pele is the one who's supposed to have beaten in William Jackson Harper's head after he takes pictures of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, he cares about Danny and seems to be an okay person, mm-hmm. even though he's part of a crazy death cult. I don't know. <laughs> I love I think Pele's an interesting... He was yeah. actually in one of my favorite scenes. Um... And I will tell that scene after this commercial break. I bow down, down. <laughs> and we're back. Yay. Um, I was just going to go over what my favorite scene is that involves Pele. Um, it's when, so when Florence Pugh gets there, she, um, they dress her in clothes. They, you know, make her feel like she belongs there. And they do this little, I don't, what is it, like a little dance or whatever around that pole, but it's not a strippery pole at all. I don't know. What is it? The, the May Queen thing? Yes, the May Queen. They dance around yeah. it. And whoever is the last one standing is a uh, May Queen. And, uh, she wins it, and it's just kind of a shock to everybody because she. This is the first time she's there, and she had to learn the dance and everything. But his reaction to her winning it was my favorite thing ever. How he's just like, "Oh my gosh, May Queen!" and he like gives her a big kiss on the mouth, and I just, I don't know, I loved it. Yeah, him him being just like super stoked for her and like cheering on the side, and I think even when she's. Yeah, when she is... You're right. That's the scene I'm thinking of. When everyone's congratulating her for winning May Queen, and he just, like, plants one on her. Yeah. And it can kind of be read as romantic, but also just, like, you're home and you are loved. Yeah. Is a very interesting... Yeah, I I liked that moment, too. I love them together. But, I mean, I... I ship them more than I want her and Christian together. But who knows? It probably has happened because that problem solved. Yeah. No, that's... I think that's a great scene. I think I think once she wins May Queen, from, from that point to the end of the movie, it's just... It's firing on all cylinders. You have no idea what the hell is going on. It's really weird, but... I mean, her sacrificing Christian and her, like, the loading up of the temple. It's just, yeah, the, all of that is real good. Ari Aster I, really I think, loves his symbols. He does. I think my favorite scene is the women screaming with her. Oh, yes. When they, that's, I think, where I felt the most catharsis is when she, like, she knows that she's about to see Danny cheating on her, but she still goes to look, and then these women just, like, carry her away and 
sit with her and they're just, they're holding her and they're hugging her and they're screaming with her. They're doing the thing that they've done with everyone else who's experiencing pain, but they're doing it with her because she is now one of them is such, I, I know that was all in the promotional stuff, but it is a great scene. Yeah, I love that too. It's really good. So yeah, I mean that's I don't really have much more on Midsommar. It's a good movie. I'm glad that you kind of had the idea to just kind of chat about it. This is it's a weird one. I don't think everyone will like it. Someone on Instagram asked, I was like, I don't know. I've wanted to watch it. I said, it's a breakup movie wrapped in a cult horror movie. So, and they're like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the selling point right there. Okay. Yeah, I'll be yeah. into this. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are we, what do we got next? We're, oh, we're yes. nearing the end of our horror movie watch. We, we got to start, I think, doing our official talks about what we're going to do with November, but we still need to go out, I think, with a bang these last yes. couple episodes. Well, I'm excited for our next episode. It's going to be on Mandy, which stars Nicolas Cage. Um, and do you know who plays Mandy? <laughs> who? I don't know. I was just asking. Oh. I just think crazy Nicolas Cage, who I have a pillow on. Yeah, you know that sequence pillow? I have oh, yeah. it of Nicolas Cage. We my, have that um, one for Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Michael's brother. Every Christmas, he sends me a Nicolas Cage movie or item or something. I don't know why. Smart. I know, but it's been a theme. Because he's a national treasure. He is. (laughs) 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 That's good. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yes. Um, Okay, yeah, I'm excited to see just Buckwild. Nicholas Cage, so it should be. He likes cult movies too. It looks like. Who doesn't? <laughs> okay. Yep, I'm excited to 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 hit that one. That is one we have both not seen. I've heard it's just really, really fucking weird. But I'm excited. We shall see. Please, please rate and subscribe to our podcast. We. Would really love to know what you think. Send us an email, write a review on whatever your podcast platform is. Um, we're still learning. I think I think we've gotten into a good rhythm with podcasting, Haley. But I I always want to continue to learn and grow and make this an enjoyable product for other people as well. Yes, and please follow us on Instagram at us laughing at us, and on Twitter at siblings laugh. And tell a caterpillar that we say hello. Yes, and give them a cookie. I yeah. I would imagine that they like cookies, maybe. I was thinking of <laughs> give a mouse a cookie, and I don't know why I said caterpillar. Because <laughs> you're an English know. teacher. <laughs> yeah, le- leave me alone. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Laughing at Ourselves. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.